This episode of Engineering Matters was made in partnership with Bentley Systems. So um, when I talk about digital processes, um, it's not about digitizing a traditional process. It's going back and re-engineering your processes to work in a digital way. So think about retail. If we were to, um, I don't know, um, start a new um, retail business, we would never, ever consider um, not doing it digitally, not having a digital presence um, and not, not starting from the ground up from a digital perspective. That's what we need to be doing from expansion. I think it's it's about being ambitious. Um, I know everyone harps back to T5, but they, there was some great work done at T5. And I think some of that um, kind of got left a bit behind when T2, which was the other big program. Um, so I think there is a real recognition that we need to up the game again for expansion. So, and when I talk about um, ambition, we want to move it on to the next level. Welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Bernadette Ballantyne, and in this episode, we're joined again by leading construction industry journalist Anthony Oliver, interviewing John Kirby, Digital Director at Heathrow Airport, in Bentley's latest twin talk. The topic of conversation? Heathrow Airport's implementation of the digital twin. Of course, from episode 31, and please go and listen to that if you haven't yet, we already know there's a national push led by the Centre for Digital Built Britain to create a national digital twin made up of a network of twins from the UK's infrastructure assets. Major asset owners such as Heathrow are spearheading the country's digital development and so have the potential to set out a roadmap for others to follow. Heathrow recently announced an ambitious expansion plan that will add a third runway and enable the airport to cope with growing demand until 2050. It calls for massive development of its infrastructure to cope with growing passenger numbers and it takes an innovative approach to its supply chain, looking to distribute economic benefits of expansion across the UK. The airport last year handled just over 80 million passengers, making it the busiest in Europe. Before I joined, I listened to um, a few presentations given by Phil Wilbraham. Expansion Programme Director at Heathrow. In every single presentation, he kept on highlighting the importance of, of, of digital being the thing that is front and centre of, of expansion, the thing that is going to change the way that we, um, that we deliver um, and the thing that is going to deliver um, our, our outcomes. Mm. So ensuring that um, we've got the right plans in place to do that um, is, is my responsibility. Ensuring that our suppliers understand what that means um, is my responsibility. And making sure that we have got the right capabilities to, to do that and to do something with um, all of the, the great work that our suppliers will do or are doing and will do for us. We, we have been focusing a lot on the future of the digital In episode 31, we discussed the challenges in creating a digital twin with Mark Enza, chair of the Digital Framework Task Group and chief technical officer for Mott McDonald. I describe it as a digital representation of something physical. I mean, that's a very simple description of it, uh, but it's kind of more than that. In the built environment, that kind of means it's a digital representation of assets and processes and systems. Uh, but I think a key thing about a digital twin that makes it a digital twin rather than just any other model uh, is this connection with the physical. The term digital twin can mean different things to different people. Here's Anthony asking John to give his own definition of the term. You're very engaged in the Centre for Digital Built Britain and the work they're doing there with the DT Hub. Uh, what does the digital twin mean to you? 
So the di- the digital twin to me is the um, is the digital representation um, of the physical environment, and, and representation can mean a number of things. It can be um, the digital picture, the digital model, um, or it can be a representation from a simulation or an anal- analytical model. Or it could even be a spreadsheet that's connected to the physical asset. So, I, and I think the definitions vary when you talk about that connection, because the connection bit can either be a, a data stream, um, and you can be using that to um, to predict how assets are going to perform, or it can be a change control process where you've got some manual um, updating of it. So I think that it's that connection bit that is key. It is looking at the ways of working. It's looking at how we can be more um, productive and efficient as an organisation. Um, it's looking at how we can deliver the best outcomes for our future customers. So it is that whole sort of digital journey that. Um, that I'm responsible for at Heathrow. We um, sit on the um, infrastructure client group. Um, we're members of the um, digital transformation task group. We're a founding member of the um, digital twin hub, um, and that's really starting to ramp up now. So we are quite um, involved, um, both from a leadership perspective, but also just from a what does that actually mean yeah. on the ground perspective. And this journey of the digital twin at Heathrow is something that started some years ago, some might say ahead of its time, with Heathrow Map Live. So yeah, so essentially it was it was Google Maps of, of Heathrow, um, but there's been loads and loads of data um, overlaid onto that. Um, our commercial organisation used it for retail space. Um, pro- property team used it for, um, for for whatever they did with it. Um, our airlines used it to make to understand where their aircraft were and, and what stands they were at. So um, it was quite dynamic in um, in that sense as well. And all of our utilities are, are displayed on there. Um, we're it, it's it, it on quite an old technology platform, so we're just upgrading that at the moment. But. Um, I guess in terms of how we would improve on that, the processes were really, really clunky um, around that, quite inefficient, very, very manual. So some of the complaints around that is it just takes too long um, for new data sets to be loaded on there, um, which kind of t- turns people off. So as soon as we can we can bring that up and make, make it all near real time, yeah. then the better. But Heathrow Map Live is a great example of, of where Heathrow was ahead um, and still is ahead actually from, from that perspective. It's still a great tool and, and used to drive some real commercial benefits for Heathrow. At the forefront of any big project comes the cost factor. The money spent to start the project and the money needed to keep it operating at full capacity. So it's it's about the whole life, isn't it? And and Heathrow um, looks at both when it is going through any any sort of big governance decision, it will look at its capex spend, meaning capital expenditure, and its opex spend, operational expenditure, and um, it will then it will all all take the um, it will take the benefits into. Um, into case on any decision through that that governance process. So from a Heathrow perspective, we would be more than happy to invest up front if we're going to receive the benefits in construction or in um, uh, operational readiness and testing or whether that's in operations. Um, So um, we've just invested in um, a new technology platform for our uh, part of our common data environment, Um, fairly big investment up front um, and we've got Based on um, a very minimum number of benefits, we've we've got a benefits realization period, but um, that's accepted because Heathrow is a, um, a, a long-term client. It thinks strategically, and they're happy with that. So we, we'd be, yeah. I mean, we need to have those conversations with our suppliers. But yeah, but that, that, I think that is a um, you know, making sure that it's not just um, something which is um, uh, offered as part of the standard service I suppose what you're saying is if, if you're going to invest in it you want to make sure that the people who are spending the money are actually getting a return on that investment yeah. Yeah. so so that's investing now uh, for potential savings uh, a, a, lot, a lot further on 
Absolutely. Yeah. But will it cost more to get to that point? There is an initial investment, but the whole point of doing this is that you get um, you get better productivity um, and you get better efficiencies out of it. Yeah. So, so there might be um, there might be a cost up front, but you should definitely you, you will save that in the yeah, long run. Yeah. In planning Heathrow's expansion, which includes a third runway and major terminal upgrades, the team have the T2 renovation and the T5 build to learn from. But developing a digital transformation means looking beyond your own experience. We, we spend a lot of time looking at other airports and um, taking some of the lessons and, and the good stuff that's being done um, elsewhere um, and bringing that into to what we're doing and that starts to influence um, our designs, it starts to influence our ideas and our strategies. So, so we're, um, we're, we're doing that and lots of people have been to visit um, lots of different airports to, to, um, to make sure we bring that in. From, a, from an ambition perspective, um, I think, um, I mean, the, the challenge that I have, I, I could come up with the uh, most sort of blue sky, completely um, uh, undeliverable vision. Um, I, and it's just about making sure that we, we always set our sights on something that, that we, we can see as reality, whether that's in five years time, or, but it's really making sure that um, we take small steps to that. And I think people struggle with the small steps. They think they can just have everything tomorrow. And it's, it's about managing expectations rather than not coming up with something that is visionary enough, if that makes sense. He's also guided by not only other airports, but other industries as well, such as the rail industry and his previous work on HS2. I think they both have um, different challenges. Um, I think for, so, so what, what seems to work at Heathrow is um, uh, they love proof of concepts. So um, just doing something relatively small. I mean, I think the good thing about Heathrow is that we have um, lots of small projects um, and a few big projects. So you can really, really trial things on those small projects. And again, people are, um, are quite open to that. Whereas with HS2, things were slightly different. Um, if you're talking about, so if we talk about HS2, HS2 didn't really have any small projects. Um, so it was really hard um, and it's, as you say, it's a very risk averse industry as well. Heathrow does, is risk averse in certain parts, um, so operational, operationally it's incredibly risk averse. Um, but when you're looking at the capital investment side, it's not so risk averse and I think that you can do things to, um, to trial things and you can start to demonstrate some of the benefits from either a new technology or a new technique or a new process. What ways um, do, you, do you do you think that uh, that Heathrow is um, leading the digital charge at the moment? I think it's it's about being ambitious. So we started off. Um, I know everyone harps back to T5, but they, there was some great work done at T5, and I think some of that um, kind of got left a bit behind when T2, which was the other big program. Um, so I think there is a real recognition that we need to up the game again for expansion. So, and when I talk about am ambition, we want to move it on to the next level. So we want to do what T5 does now. Um, so, and Heathrow are really up for that. They really see the opportunity. The great thing about Heathrow is that you've got an operational business and a, um, a big um, sort of project delivery business. Um, and those two work um, very well together. As well as taking it to the next level and being ambitious, having a mindset that's a step ahead of the game, especially in this ever-evolving world of technology, is crucial to John. Always keep on thinking ahead. Um, so if our, if our vision is visionary enough, then um, our roadmaps um, should 
um, should always be refreshing themselves as, as we go um, as as we go out. I mean, the Heathrow expansion, the master plan, actually takes us up to 2050, mm. um, which is a huge amount of time. Yeah. So we've got to keep on thinking um, uh, ahead of the game to make sure that we keep on continually improving ourselves. As projects go, this is one that's full of different challenges. John explains the biggest difficulty he's faced. So I've been at Heathrow for six months now. Um, my, my biggest challenge at the moment has been matching up to the expectation that people have. So um, people are incredibly ambitious there. They really want to change the way that we do things. And I think it's matching, it's, it's trying to look far enough ahead to what is actually implementable now and um, making sure that, that you um, go back with that and just say this is this is what you can have so it's really it's really making sure that manage expectations of the stakeholders um, but without losing their enthusiasm because we do want to drive for that really bold and ambitious way that we're going to do things but we it's it's the realization that we have to take small steps to that you can't just do a big bang because we'll fail um, is there that, are lots it? of other small challenges, but um, I think that's that's the biggest one at the moment. So there's there's got there's got to be some short term tactical things that we think about, um, but keeping an eye on what the future looks like um, and making sure that we can we can deliver it. Because if if we went straight for for the vision, then as I say, we'd it's too big, it's too hard, um, we'd never deliver it. And and things move on so quickly that we you kind of have to redirect yourself to to make sure that you're still delivering on on that vision. And as for some quick wins to get the ball rolling standardization so making sure that we've got the right standards in place um, that's a really big thing for us at the moment um, we're very good at on airport um, we've got good standards um, we're quite mature from that perspective although some work's got to still be done on that um, off airport we, we don't do that very often we don't we don't um, deal with massive earthwork programs so we've got to make sure that we are um, mature in that and so so for me it's it's making sure that the quick win is to make sure that we can really get our, ourselves mature quickly. Anthony then asked John about how these quick wins will shape the operational processes going forward at Heathrow and his vision of how Heathrow will run operations in a decade's time. What practically do you think will be different about the way that Heathrow is operating, uh, I don't know, in, in 10 years' time? So, um, whether or not it's 10 years' time, but my, my vision um, is that Heathrow will be a self-healing airport, which sounds bizarre, but... Um, Self-healing. So, yeah. so if we have, um, if we understand everything about our assets, and let's just take the the fact that we're going to be moving to a predictive maintenance model, that we really understand how our assets are performing, then um, <laughs> why could we not get um, uh, uh, sort of um, maybe not UAVs, but um, sort of ground-based um, vehicles to go and perform simple maintenance tasks, simple repair tasks. So um, stuff that you can um, you can easily um, automate, um, very repetitive, um, and that once you once you get to that um, sort of digital twin point where you're really understanding what you're what you're doing and why you're doing it and when you're doing it, then the next the automation is the next level of progression past that. So, so, so like if a runway light goes out or if there's a, a foreign object on the on the runway, whatever, there's something which automatically knows it's there, it just goes and sorts it out. Why not? I mean, it, it, that would be a relatively straightforward task. Um, take away all the regulation, but um, there would be no reason why you couldn't do that. John's vision would no doubt speed up efficiency, but first he'd need the people to undertake those roles. For him, there's one specific prerequisite that's crucial for anyone who wants to be part of this. 
Well, I think there's there's a there's an expectation um, now um, and and it has been for for a while that information and insight should be there at your fingertips. And I think the new roles um, will be required to make sure that that happens. So whether that's um, organizational psychologists to to understand how how all of that comes together from a, from an organizational perspective whether that is behavioral scientists to understand how people will best interact and get the best meaning out of uh, what you're doing um, obviously things like data scientists to make sure that we've actually got everything and we're getting the most insight out of it they do exist um, I think we just have to attract them to this industry um, and because th they're not they're not usual roles that that we would ask for John has a potential solution for this. I think we have to really promote that excitement, um, making sure that we're all really passionate about it and that this isn't just, we're not just paying lip service to this. So all, we need use cases to really promote this to, so people can see that we are actually doing this. Um, and it is an exciting place to work. Construction is not just about um, putting some boots on and going digging a hole. It is about, it, it can be whatever you want to make it really. Of course, Heathrow is no stranger to expansion in the 21st century, with the Terminal 2 and Terminal 5 buildings opening in 2014 and 2008 respectively. These two terminals came to a total cost of 6.3 billion, and Anthony wanted to know if there was anything that could have been learned from these projects. When you look back, I suppose, at what they did at T T5 and T2, uh, as I say, as you say, as you say, all of which, both of which were kind of um, uh, groundbreaking in their own way, uh, were there missed opportunities? which you're now having to sort of backfill? So T5, um, I think um, everyone knows that there was um, a bit of a disconnect between the operational readiness side um, and the project delivery side. So that's certainly something that expansion um, and the way that we're structuring the programs now, um, in, we are a completely a matrix project, matrix organization structure. Um, we're not a completely isolated venture. So um, we have got people from um, all areas of Heathrow embedded within the expansion team, which help to join all those things up together. So that's to make sure that you're thinking about construction, but also future operations. Absolutely. Um, because you've got to hand it over to somebody. Um, at the, what, uh, there'll, be no well, baggage, in, there'll be no baggage handling issues. There will be no baggage handling issues. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> and I think from T2 perspective, it went completely the other way, whereas it was just done by the, the, the team and there was no sort of special projects, um, programs set up to do that. Um, and I think there was, um, there was much more a traditional focus to that. Um, and then expansion, we're kind of taking a bit of a hybrid approach, um, but with the level of ambition to try and drive things forward. And for John, this will change the way that Heathrow engages with supply chains along the way. It does. Um, and I've got lots of the supply chain um, in the room today. And, and I think that, that Heathrow really wants to move towards that T5 collaborative approach, um, really make sure that it is seen as one team, that there's the partnering um, approach there. And that's how you get the best from both people. If it is one team, and there's one common goal, then we're all aiming for the same thing. So, so are there some specifics that you can point to about the way that Heathrow is going to help to elevate the supply chain's appreciation of what's going on. Do you think it's good at the moment? I do think it is good. Um, I think that um, that we've we've made huge amounts of progress in the last few years. Um, huge amounts. I've, I think we're still suffering from a productivity perspective, um, but we have made huge amounts of progress from from a digital transformation. Um, there are there's certainly some stuff to make sure the basics are right. So um, to make sure that we're doing things um, in a structured way and um, all the kind of things that BIM um, sort of even level one was trying to introduce. Um, but from a, from a digital thinking, a digital transformation perspective, we have come a long way. Um, to help test that, um, in January, we're going to be launching a, um, a bit of a, um, a market sounding 
um, or market engagement exercise um, to, to really look at what that digital adoption is um, throughout the supply chain. We're currently helping to facilitate some um, that, that survey and it is, it is going to be a survey where we can get a really wide and broad view. The idea behind the survey that we're doing in partnership with, uh, with Heathrow is to get a greater understanding of where we actually stand today going digital. This is Bentley Strategic Industry Director Mark Coates. We have this holistic view that clients like Heathrow are looking for of the digital twin, but that day-to-day -day maintenance of the digital once it arrived, do we have the skill set with inside the, the tier two, tier three businesses to actually achieve and support it? So the idea behind the survey is to, to very much engage with those people and get an understanding of where they are today and how we can support them going forward. So you're going to be looking for uh, the folks here in this room, uh, all, all, all their supply chains to come back to you and really give you, a, I suppose, a, a warts and all view of what's the state of the digital nation. Absolutely. And that combined with the, um, the Smart Infrastructure Index, I think all of this data will really help us understand um, how much engagement we're going to have to do, um, how far reaching and how stretching our requirements can be. Um, and because what we don't want to do is put something uh, out there that is just non-deliverable at all. Right. Um, so we need, just need to make sure that, that we've, we're putting something that's realistic out there. With this project comes the prospect of regional construction centres, otherwise known as logistics hubs. According to Heathrow, they'll be the first major infrastructure projects in the UK to pioneer the large-scale use of logistics hubs, aiming to build as much of the project off-site as possible. So the logistics hubs is a really, um, a really interesting point. So we've got um, four logistics hubs um, yet to be announced um, where, where they're going to be. But they are essentially, they perform a number of different functions, but one of those functions is manufacturing, so that we can manufacture our products um, and then bring them on site and assemble them. So there's a whole um, uh, sort of ecosystem that we need to connect into there mm -hmm. to ensure that we understand where our materials are coming in, um, where that sort of material is through the manufacturing process, how it hits um, the logistics part and how it makes its way to site. So there's a number of twins, um, if you want to call it that, that we have to interact with. We have to understand what they're doing, where they are and how we can intervene in that process. So maybe we want to switch a manufacturing process off for one particular asset if we want to divert attention somewhere else. Because, because, because these centres could be in Scotland, they could be in Manchester, they could be in... Um, or they could be, or, 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 what are your current... What's your current thinking about where they might be? So they are dotted all around the UK. Right. Um, and the idea of, um, of dotting them around is, is to promote that regional growth. We don't yeah. want it to just be a London-centric project, we want it to be UK-wide. And that's the idea about those logistics hubs. But it's also to make sure that we can um, increase the amount of off-site um, construction off-site fabrication that we do mm. and bring it on-site to assembly. So we're changing the skill base as well. Right. I mean, um, Heathrow, even or the off-airport stuff will be in such a constrained site that we need to think about how we construct things differently. Right. Um, and the, um, the logistics hubs and, and the assembly, um, design for manufacturing assembly is a part of that. And with these logistics hubs comes a variety of jobs in return. And benefits from a societal perspective is something that's on John's mind. Are we setting our sights high enough? You know, because um, at the moment we do seem to be, as an industry, still very hung up on capital, capital efficiencies. 
um, you know, rather than um, uh, you know, actually you know, getting beyond just making construction cheaper. And I imagine you're under, you're under quite a lot of pressure to make sure that you know, the, the stuff you're going to build comes in at the right price and, and cheaper than that. Yeah, but how do we set our sights higher as, as, an, as, an, as an industry to get beyond capital efficiencies and move towards actually uh, delivering better social outcomes and better outcomes, better long-term outcomes? Well, I, I think it's I think it's that I think it's focusing on outcomes rather than focusing on um, a, a, a particular output. Mm -hmm. So um, the you're right. The, the social outcome is um, it sh is much more important to us than the cost. So our commercial director always talks about procuring for value, not not procuring for cost, and that's a, that's a big change. If if that when that does actually happen. Um, cost will just be one element that we look at, and all the other outcomes will be um, will, will be as, as equal to cost in, in that procurement process. Mm -hmm. And then that starts to change the mindset as well around what we are actually here to to do and to deliver. On top of what he sees as digitally built Heathrow, John also has a vision that stretches a lot further: digitally built Britain. So digitally built Britain um, is, to me, is is a um, is a combination of um, lots of digital twins that can integrate, uh, interact, and interoperate between each other. So, um, so a, a good example is utilities for um, Heathrow. So we have underneath Heathrow um, around about one percent of the UK's um, utilities just with it within the twelve kilometres or nine kilometres square of Heathrow. Um, and that's massive. Um, and we have to do huge numbers of, of surveys all the time just to understand where, where everything is. But if, if there was a digital twin from the from the um, utility companies, then we would really understand what they were, what was in them, how old they were, and we would really understand much more about those assets. Same applies for um, highways with an expansion. We've, we've got to move the M25, um, um, a fairly big project. Um, and uh, just having a digital twin from Highways England of, of um, of that stretch of the um, of the, the motorway, um, and just understanding um, again the um, asset performance, um, the throughput, all of that kind of stuff. If we the, the easier that we can get access to that data, then the better decisions we can make around that. Um, and that's what I see as the is a national yeah. digital twin. The vision that John Kirby has is one that is very much in line with this rapidly evolving digital revolution, but it's also a vision of positive productivity and efficiency. For John, Heathrow's expansion will have the notion of digital at its core, making it a more streamlined and autonomous process with less rigidity. After all, in his words, construction is not just about putting some boots on and digging a hole. It can be whatever you want to make it, really. Just to wrap up, John, um, I mean, the, the this industry's got to change, clearly, to, to embrace kind of a lot of the stuff that you've got. Can you just, I suppose, um, give us a, a, a few pointers as to you know, the way that you think... Um, the people that are here today and their organisations are going to have to change to embrace your vision over the long term. And I suppose, uh, you know, also, you know, how and what do you think that they need to be doing to help drive forward this digital project delivery revolution? So, so there's 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 a plea, I guess, um, as part of this, that um, we, we are. Um, we are a relatively big client. Um, we've got we've got a big pro um, program on our horizon, um, but we can only think 
so far. Um, I mean, the, all of the brain power um, exists within our suppliers. So um, I, I want all of our suppliers to be coming to us say, with all the um, innovative ideas, um, with challenges that, um, again, we, there are different approaches, different techniques, different ways of working um, that, may, that maybe we haven't thought about and haven't built in. So, so the, the plea is to not be... Um, um, to not stand back, but to to come. Don't don't wait for me to ask you to to come and tell us that we're doing something wrong or that there are better ways of doing things. So I guess that's the first one. Um, and the other one is to, um, in in terms of what what our suppliers can do to help is that. Um, and again, it's up to me to really articulate what our vision and strategy is. But for then for you to um, to start to build some of that stuff into the way that you're planning um, your um, sort of digital transformation over the next few years. Um, and if there's misalignment, then then we should talk about that. Um, but it would be really good to understand that all of our strategies aligned, at least in some way. So that's investing in skills, that's investing in technology, yep. uh, but I suppose it's investing in thought. Yes, okay. absolutely. Engineering Matters is a production of Reby Media, hosted by Bernadette Ballantyne, produced by Ross McPherson and edited by John Young. Special thanks to infrastructure journalist Anthony Oliver, digital director of Heathrow John Kirby and Mark Coates of Bentley Solutions. Engineering Matters is available on all podcast apps from iTunes, Spotify and Google Podcasts and you can listen to it on our website, engineeringmatters.reby.media. If you like our episodes, please leave a fantastic review and share us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and Reddit.